You're listening to the Joy Habit Podcast, Episode 5. Hey, this podcast is all about real ideas on how your nutrition, exercise, stress management, and self-love are all foundations to your mental health and happiness. I'm Allie, a certified nutrition coach, and I'll be chatting each week with my good friend, Lindy, a licensed clinical social worker. Together, we've helped many clients reach their health goals and find emotional stability. It's possible to not only feel happy, but joyful inside and out. Here, we will discuss how to make joy a habit. So let's get started. Welcome to the Joy Habit Podcast. Today, we're talking about something that I get asked a lot about. It's um, why am I so tired? And um, Lindy's here. She's going to give us some of her tips. So one thing I say is probably my most common complaint throughout my entire life is that I'm just so tired. I remember even when I was like seven or eight, I, I did not want to wake up for Christmas morning because I was so tired. Sleep is something that I've always struggled with. Um, and yeah. I just I've really had to work at it. Um, it's also something that I hear from my clients a lot. Things like I'm just so tired all the time or how can I get more energy during the day? It's a common complaint. And today we're going to talk about what fatigue is and how we can remedy it. So first of all, I want to clarify that there are two, there are different types of fatigue. There's physical fatigue and mental fatigue. So physical fatigue is when a person finds it physically hard to do the things they normally do or used to do. For example, climbing stairs that usually includes muscle weakness. Mental fatigue is when a person finds it harder to concentrate on things and stay on task. The person may feel sleepy or have difficulty staying awake while working. So for example, physical fatigue would come after like a full day of skiing and mental fatigue would come after like planning a large event, which I think is interesting that there are different um, types of fatigue. So Lindy, what do you think is more common in your practice, physical or mental fatigue? What do you see? Um, I think that's actually a pretty tough question. And I, like you're describing, it's good to recognize that there's a difference because I think a lot of us don't recognize because um, one of the most common symptoms, Allie, for most mental disorders, including depression, anxiety, and trauma, which are probably the top three things that I treat is fatigue. Fatigue is one of the first physical symptoms for any of those. Um, so by the time clients come to see me, Ali, most of them are experiencing both that mental and physical fatigue. And then they're stuck in that catch 22, right? Mm-hmm. Where I think we've all experienced that. Like think about when you have, do not have the physical energy to do things, but you know, doing those things are going to help, but you don't have the mental energy to force yourself to do those things. So the way I see it, mental fatigue is things such as the clients I see, they tend to are having difficulty concentrating in memory issues, irritability, less motivation, and there tends to be a more negative thinking. So what I do to find, what I find though, is that most of the time it's hard to improve those symptoms from mental fatigue if we're still so physically fatigued. So what I'd like to do is the, the, so think about it. If you're stuck in this bottom of the pit, let's say you fall down a cliff and you're stuck at the bottom. Allie, you're not really going to be able to think your way out of that cliff. <laughs> you have to physically find your way up. So the description and the um, 
I like to use is we're at the bottom of this cliff. Now there's a thing of fog blocking our ability to lay the sea out. So my job is to help them build those steps one by one to get over this big cliff. And I usually do that by integrating things that'll help with the physical fatigue, physical fatigue and will help with the mental fatigue. Yeah, I do think there's definitely overlap between the two different types of fatigue. But I do think it's interesting because um, I feel like there's different, there may be some different ways to treat the different types. So let's play Definitely. a game for a minute. Let's see how, how, how well you were paying attention. I'm going to name some fatigue symptoms. And I want you to tell me, Lindy, if you think they're caused by mental fatigue or physical b- fatigue or maybe both. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so aching or sore muscles. Hmm. I wonder what our listeners think. Cause I would say it's actually both. I could see both happening. Maybe. Uh, yeah. I, I, there is overlap. What about apathy and lack of motivation? Um, people would definitely think of that as mental. Okay. I like but that. it can be both. Okay. <laughs> what about daytime drowsiness? Oh, I think that's going to be at first, the primary is going to be a physical fatigue. Okay. Um, Difficulty in concentrating or learning new tasks. Both. Okay. What about gastrointestinal problems such as bloating, abdominal pain, constipation, and diarrhea? Hmm. So I wonder what the listeners think again, because most of the time people are going to think that is specifically related to physical fatigue. Mm-hmm. but actually stomach problems is one of the first symptoms of anxiety that we notice, especially in children. And I get so many kids that end up seeing me because they've gone to their doctor because they can't figure out what's going on with their stomachs. And it's all related to anxiety. Interesting. I could see that with my own kids. Okay. Yeah. What about headaches? Definitely both. <laughs> Irritability and moodiness. Definitely both. Okay. Ha- Oh, go ahead. I was just thinking, I wonder how many listeners can relate to, uh, you know, physical fatigue or what they've eaten contributing to irritability and stuff, but definitely the mental also contributes to it. Okay. Slowed response time. Both. Okay. Uh, Last one, vision problems such as blurriness. Mm, Probably more physical. It can happen occasionally with the mental. Okay. So I kind of see a lot of overlap. (laughs) You kind of play off each other. Yeah. And that's where it gets hard, right? To figure out which is which, but that's why this is such a good example of how integrated your mind and your body is. You can't just treat the physical symptoms or just treat the mental symptoms. You know, you, you, we, we often think, oh, I just want to fix it without fully addressing all the contributing factors to the issue. So most of the time your body is going to physically manifest what is going on first. So I usually try to help people focus on those, recognizing those physical symptoms, Ali, like you said, mm-hmm. because uh, oftentimes they're easier to recognize at first. Right. Um, so it's an essential building block to fighting mental fatigue. Uh, but mindfulness of how your body is reacting will help you better maintain your physical and your mental health. So it helps helps you to learn the warning signs of your body and your mind to know, oh, I'm going into overdrive or I'm going into this fatigue because I'm having more headaches or daytime drowsiness or difficulty concentrating. Oh, okay. That makes sense. 
So let's talk about um, things that may cause mental fatigue, the mental kind. So a few examples include decision-making, clutter. That's huge for me. I really need to have like a, an organized space or I feel overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, overcommitting, avoidance and procrastination, perfectionism. That's another one I really suffer with. Grief. Mm-hmm. Grief is so exhausting. Um, Stress, anxiety, depression, lack of sleep. And then how can we treat mental fatigue? We could record a whole podcast on this topic. But um, yeah, Uh, you can stay organized. You can set realistic expectations for yourself. You could treat rumination, take frequent breaks, meditate, or implement some self-care. Can you kind of explain Mm -hmm. what what I mean when I say rumination? Can you explain what that term means? Yeah, rumination is something that we see a lot in anxiety and OCD, and we also see it in trauma. So it's when your mind just keeps going in circles. You keep thinking about the same thing over and over and over again. And it's actually a very common behavior, too, in, um, in autism. Oh, and people really? on the autism spectrum disorder. Yeah. So it's called ruminating because it's like just going in circle and you can't get out. I like to describe it as it's like your brain is like a jigsaw puzzle and it just, it's all jumbled up and you can't get it organized. It just keeps spinning. Okay. So um, treating ruminating is trying to help your mind get stuck out of this pattern of just thinking about the same thing or thinking about the same worry without ever really getting any resolution or solution to it. So you guys, if that sounds familiar to you, that's something that happens to me, especially when I'm trying to fall asleep. Um, Just know that that is exhausting and it's not helpful. It's not a helpful behavior and there are ways to treat it. And we could talk about that in the future. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about causes of physical fatigue. Some examples um, include a lot of medical issues like diabetes, high blood pressure, heart or lung disease, obesity, anemia, thyroid, having a baby. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm physically tired. Um, certain medications can make you tired. Definitely yeah. vitamin and mineral deficiencies. That's what I see with nutrition and then mm-hmm. chronic pain, which I think uh, bless your heart. If you have chronic pain, because I just, I've oh. had family members with chronic pain and that just totally takes over your life and your sleep. Yeah. So other reasons may include um, just following a high sugar or processed food diet. And that goes back to the vitamin and mineral deficiencies. Also caffeine consumption, which can disrupt sleep cycles. I am super duper sensitive to caffeine. I know even if I have caffeine in the morning, it's going to affect my sleep that night. So it's something that I have, I've been really intentional about. Um, I don't have caffeine very often. I know mm-hmm. other people say that um, caffeine, like they could drink a cup of coffee right before bed and be totally fine and sleep. But I do think that still would have an effect on your sleep cycle because it is a stimulant. Yeah. Um, other things, too much or too little activity. There's a balance there. And of course, mm-hmm. poor sleep. So yeah. out of those lists of causes of physical and mental fatigue, I see a lot of medical issues that um, should definitely be addressed with a medical professional, but there are things that we can control. And those include things connected with our diet, things connected with our exercise and movement, and obviously our sleep. 
So today we're going to focus mainly on improving our sleep quality because that is something that can help both physical and mental fatigue. However, just as a caveat, if you have an underlying sleep disorder, we'd recommend working with your doctor to get a sleep study done. But let's for today, let's talk about the things that we can control. So mm-hmm. when we have a lack of sleep, we run into a whole host of issues. Something that I see with my clients um, when they're fatigued is that they have a problem sticking with their nutrition plan. When yeah. you're tired, your body wants to increase energy and it wants it fast. It knows that carbs will increase energy. They're the energy macronutrient, quick energy. So mm-hmm. your cravings for carbs will increase when you're tired. And, um, when you're tired, you probably aren't feeling so well, and you're more likely to reach for processed carbs, which your brain knows will give you a a dopamine hit and make you feel better. So here comes all the cakes and cookies and candies because they're convenient. They're quick, quickly accessed. They're high carb and high sugar, which will give Mm -hmm. you a boost of energy and a dopamine hit. Yeah. And why is it when that's the case? those things taste so good in that moment. (laughs) I know. Yes. Yeah, it really is. Like, I'm so guilty of that struggle. Like, you know, Allie, you know, this last week I've been dealing with six, three kids and they've been waking me up all night and it's definitely made it so hard. And one day earlier this week, I like early in that day told myself mentally, I was not going to reach for those high carb fat foods. But by 3 PM that afternoon, I was totally reaching for them crackers with cheese. It just struggled that day. And I knew it and I knew why, but I just like really was so tired. I didn't care. Um, what was interesting the next night I got maybe an extra hour of sleep. My kids were still up in the middle of the night. Um, one of my girls still had a fever, but I took a different approach. Like I rode my bike in the morning, ate oatmeal with protein powder for breakfast, and I focused on staying hydrated because one thing I realized, Allie, is I wasn't staying hydrated. And it was that day, actually, Allie, that I was working on this podcast that we were getting ready to broadcast. And I was writing this going, hey, it's around three o'clock and I'm not having those same cravings. So and as I thought about it, I realized, one, I think the extra hour of sleep was huge, but I also think I set myself up right in the morning to not have that big crash by the afternoon. And I think that exercise and that little bit of extra sleep made a huge difference where I wasn't craving, like you said, all those quick carbs that afternoon. Yeah. And I think um, this is something we used to talk about in the future as well is um, different activities that could, can increase energy and different activities that can give you a dose of dopamine that you mm-hmm. can retrain your brain to create a habit. When you're feeling that way, you can go to a different source to, to make yourself feel better. Yeah. So, um, also if you're tired, your hunger hormones will be affected. Studies show that lack of sleep and causes an increase in ghrelin hormone that tells you that you're hungry. And it also causes a decrease in the leptin, which is the hormone that tells you that you're full, which Mm. is just like amazing. And I think it's actually a beautiful thing. Your body's always trying to protect itself. It's always doing it the best job to keep you alive and thriving. If it doesn't have sleep to access, um, to rejuvenate itself, then it's going to turn to calories or something else to create the energy it needs to survive. Yeah, that's such a good point. I love that, Ellie. I actually did not realize that about the ghrelin and the leptin. 
So it makes a lot of sense. And I think it helps to know, like you said, how our body reacts and tries to protect ourselves because it makes you feel less crazy. (laughs) People recognize that your body is trying to protect you and it's not just you not having quote unquote enough willpower or control. Yes. That's something that I talk to clients about a lot because I feel like we really can get down on ourselves. Like we're weak. We don't have willpower, but there are physical Mm -hmm. things happening in our body that are natural desires and urges. So, um, lack of sleep also causes stress on your body, which raises cortisol, which we've talked about. And, um, when you, you can also have an increase in anxiety and depression symptoms that obviously makes you more irritable. Mm-hmm. Um, we may be more likely to snap at our kids or say something rude to our spouse, spouse, which in turn can create conflict, conflict and guilt and shame. And that cycle turns into even more stress and cortisol and depressive symptoms. One of the worst advice <laughs> that I got when I was getting married was never, never, what, what, what is it? Never like never go to bed angry, never go to bed angry. Yeah. Like work it out. And we would try to do that. We'd get so tired and like want to just give up on our marriage. (laughs) (laughs) So true. I, I, yeah, the biggest conflicts with spouses or significant others seem to happen late at night when you're both really tired. It's so true. And it's actually something that's been studied is the connection between sleep and conflict in relationships. Um, Yeah. And one study found that mood disturbances in part in a partner affected the each other's sleep. So what that means is Allie, like what they found is like, for example, men had fewer sleep minutes and a longer sleep latency, which means it took them longer to fall asleep when their partner had higher levels of anxiety. And that in turn affected that partner's level of anxiety and their sleep. So women had longer sleep latencies when their significant other had more anxiety symptoms. So it's like, you really do, you and your partner really play off with each other in terms of your sleep and your levels of anxiety and depression symptoms. So it has a huge impact. And further, Allie, they've looked at as well how conflict plays a pivotal role in achieving adequate sleep. Like you were just describing this idea that I think a lot of people have been told, never go to bed angry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it can create more conflicts in your, in your relationship because then it's affecting your sleep, which then like you just described, just is this vicious cycle. So, yes. and so we, I mean, this is a topic for another day too, but, um, I do think it's important to work through your conflict. And so Absolutely. we've tried to say, okay, we're, we're, we're not getting anywhere. We're going to stop, but we are going to pick up this conversation it, tomorrow in the evening or like in a couple of days. But I do feel like it's important to have that, that resolution, but you need to be well rested. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, okay. So you're also more likely to have a de- decrease in mental clarity and motivation when you're tired. You probably won't feel motivated to go work out and move because your body wants to conserve what energy is available for it. And mm-hmm. you can also unfortunately lower your metabolism and reduce your insulin sensitivity, which can cause weight gain. So yes. one thing that I personally learned this year about how sleep can affect um, my health was my likelihood of getting injured. So a few months ago when my husband and I were making the decision for him to change companies and move out of state, I was obviously under a huge amount of stress and 
as a result, I wasn't sleeping well. And I went to the gym at Rockwell CrossFit and I pulled something in my hip just during the warm up. Like I wasn't even in the middle of a workout and I could barely walk. So I went to the head coach, Dayton Smith, hi Dayton, and asked him what I should do. And I was fully expecting him to tell me to go see a physical therapist or book a massage. And honestly, I was secretly hoping he'd insist that I get a massage. But <laughs> instead, he looked at me and the first thing that came out of his mouth was, how's your sleep? And mm. I was floored. I thought this is like a hip injury and you're asking about my sleep. And my eyes welled up because he didn't know that I was planning on leaving or moving. And um, so my eyes welled up and I'm like, I'm under a lot of stress right now. And so he's like, you need to get some good sleep. And then he did show me some um, breathing exercises, which I thought was interesting and some stretches. He is so good at that mind, that body connection. And yeah, definitely. So, okay. So now that we've totally depressed everyone about what can happen with a lack of sleep. Let's talk about the good thing sleeps, the good thing sleep does. And we'll also give you some sleep tips, both things recommended from the professionals and also some things that we've discovered that work well for us. So you'll want to stick around to the end for those tips. So sleep is like nutrition for the brain, just like your muscles need time to recover from hard workouts. Your brain needs rest and recovery from running all day. I mean, it's constantly going. So yeah. sleep, sleep recharges your brain. It helps with creativity. We're more alert and more, we have more stable moods, which is great. Sleep helps with memory retention and learning. It increases our self-awareness and listen to this. You guys sleep can increase your happiness mm-hmm. out here. So let's talk about bedtime habits. Lindy, what can you share about healthy bedtime routines and habits that you've learned? Oh, I think one of the big things I've learned is, um, is it's one of the first lifestyle habits I usually address in treating depression, anxiety, and trauma, because it has such a huge impact on your physical and emotional well-being. So I think oftentimes you forget how important a bedtime routine is. Most of us are really good at doing a bedtime routine for our kids, but are you that good at doing a bedtime routine for yourself? How ready are you for bed when you hop in bed? So having a bedtime routine, Allie, really helps with uh, training our mind and body to know it's time to relax and go to bed, which helps produce the melatonin. Um, So oftentimes bedtime can be prime time for anxiety because we haven't spent enough time prepping our mind and body for bedtime. So years ago, I got to go to a training with the sleep doctor. I wish I remembered his name, Allie, because it was so good. And one thing he said was, don't let your head hit the pillow until you feel drowsy. Interesting. Um, Yeah. Think about that. How many of you can say, yeah, I feel drowsy when I lay down to go to sleep. And this is what is actually, I already referred to it as the sleep latency. It's how long it takes us to fall asleep. Now, if you're prepping and doing a bedtime routine properly, it should take you 10 to 20 minutes to fall asleep. If it's taking you longer than 10 to 20 minutes, your body is still turned on, so to say. So it's harder to fall asleep. So if I'm still laying in bed and I wasn't drowsy and I'm not falling asleep, what does your mind start doing, Allie? It starts ruminating. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And Allie, I think I sent you a Marco poll the other day because we've been prepping for this podcast. And ironically, I have gotten like zero sleep this week with sick kids. And I, one day after dealing with a sick kid at like three o'clock in the morning, laid there and ruminated about the sleep podcast. 
I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so yeah. So a bedtime routine is going to help your brain and your body settle down so that it's ready to, to go to sleep. I think a lot of you have probably have heard about the emerging research on what electronics do to our brain. There's a lot of those blue light filters out there, all these different recommendations. Ideally, you should turn your electronics off an hour to 30 minutes, at least 30 minutes, but preferably up to an hour before bedtime. That routine will help train your brain to know it's time to settle down. Doing the same thing in the same order at the same time will help your body rhythm settle into a predictable routine, helping induce that melatonin, helping induce that relaxation piece, helping you get ready for bed. So your routine can be simple. It can be brushing your teeth, writing in a journal, then getting out your things for the next day. At my house, we leave our phones in the kitchen. Uh, my husband recently asked me to make sure I'm off my phone by 8 p.m. Because as I've been trying to launch Mind and Strength and really doing a lot more work, it's easy to get caught up into working into the late hours. So having that set time to have our phones off is training my brain that it's time to start relaxing and shut down and rest. And it also is giving me quality time with my husband. So, that. yeah, so that's been really important. Journaling, like you mentioned, the ruminating. Journaling, in my opinion, and actually using your hand to paper journaling, getting your executive functioning part of your brain, your um, uh, blanking on the word I'm trying to think of, motor skills, fine motor skills, right? That actually writing is a great way to release that um, ruminating. Because like I said, if it's a jigsaw puzzle in our head, just floating and not put together, writing helps organize those thoughts, helps let go of those um, ruminating things. It's a great way to release worries. It's a great way to, to write a to-do list for tomorrow. But I think the key is there is, are you the type of person, if you write it down, you're going to let your mind release it so that you don't stop thinking about it. I think that's the key. I like that. So, cause I have some clients where that would just make it worse. Right. And that's where you got to know yourself. Yeah. Um, so interestingly enough, Allie, I had a really interesting experience with this years and years ago. Um, I was working with a woman's group and we are working on improving their sleep quality. And we just discussed the whole impact of electronics in the bedroom. And she had already had a rule of turning them off, but she left her iPad in the bedroom. And one week she came to group and talked about how excited she was because she had decided to take the iPad out of the bedroom, just physically remove it from the bedroom, right? Mm -hmm. And she said she immediately noticed uh, improvement in her sleep in that week. Wow, that's amazing. I believe yeah. it though. I feel like that, that would make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those are awesome tips. I love all of those. Um, some things that I personally found that work for me. First of all, I have this thing with my pillows. <laughs> like, yeah. My husband calls me the princess in the pea. So <laughs> I have like a specific pillow that I really like. It's very, it's like a, it's a copper pillow. I don't know if people have, mm -hmm. have tried those, but, um, I was at this party for church with, um, some friends, <laughs> right before Christmas and this girl that I just met she talked about how she sleeps on a pillow and then she has a pillow over the top of her head and she's hugging a body pillow and you guys that's what I do that's like the first time I've ever met anyone else I'm like in this little cocoon but that so I have a quality pillow I kind of my husband snores love him but I keep the pillow over my ear I can still breathe but it just kind of blocks out all the noise 
Um, <laughs> I also sleep with a fan going for white noise. I yeah. have to keep my room cool if it's, I cannot sleep if it's too hot. Um, I do take melatonin most every night, just five milligrams. Um, I've had a couple doctors tell me that that's, um, that's fine to do long-term. It's, it's, um, not addictive or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, I also, I love to take naps, but that totally affects me being able to go to sleep. So I limit daytime naps or avoid them altogether. Like I talked about, I'm really sensitive to caffeine, if you, if you feel like you can have caffeine, I would recommend not having it past noon. Um, yeah. You should also avoid having a heavy meal two hours before bedtime and exercise regularly, but not in the evening hours close to bedtime. And then the thing that has helped me so much with my ruminating, worrying thoughts is to listen to a podcast or an audiobook as I'm falling asleep because it gets me out of my own head. And yeah. so I take my melatonin, I get my pillows, turn on my fan, and I listen to something to get me out of my own ruminating thoughts. Yes. Yeah. I think a lot of people uh, have described to me over the years that they have to have some sort of noise because it helps them get out of their head. But again, Allie, that also speaks to if you're doing enough, like those preparations, right, even before your head hits the pillow, it's going to help you get out of your head because you're going to be feeling drowsy by the time your head hits the pillow. Mm -hmm. And we also do not have a TV in our room. We've, um, that was some advice we got when we first got married that it um, helps your sex life, first of all, and also helps you sleep. So we don't like sometimes we'll watch something like on the laptop in bed, but I, I can't fall asleep as well when we do that. But we don't, we don't watch TV in our room. Yeah, that is a very good habit. So I'll also say the other thing, Allie, that I have found I have to do is I have to limit my water um, later in the day or else I wake up several times. And probably partly from having kids and twins, I, I just, I need to make sure I don't drink too much water later in the day. That makes sense. Yeah, that's so annoying. I hate that. Like, I'll wake yeah. up and I'll be like, I don't, I don't want to go to the bathroom. I just want to keep sleeping. It's really annoying. Yeah. And okay. I'll also post on my website a quick list of suggestions to help with those bedtime routines. Oh, great. And some other ideas, I'll, list, I'll post those on my website so that people can look at. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. So something else that I read that I thought was super interesting because I'm not a morning person, um, but something that may help you wake up more positively and willingly is to start a positive morning routine. And, um, this can start your day off well, and it can help you, like I said, wake up more willingly if you have something to look forward to and just kind of reinforce these positive habits. So you could mm -hmm. pick one to two self-care items that you do each morning. I've heard lots of people say that they intentionally wake up before their kids so they can just have some kind of self-care time. Um, that's hard if your kids wake up early <laughs> to wake up even mm -hmm. earlier to do these things, but you could um, choose one or two things from this list or something else, but you could exercise, you could stretch, meditate, read, you could do your journaling, eat breakfast in peace. You could talk with friends or family members or set goals for the day. Yeah. And I'm the opposite view. I'm a huge morning person. I think mornings are glorious. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> except for my kids been waking up early, but yeah, I think sleeping well and getting up really, really helps set up your mentality for the day. Even just 10, 15 minutes, 
10 to 15 minutes extra in the morning. So you feel like you're in control of your morning instead of your morning controlling you Mm -hmm. can make a huge difference for the rest of the day. Um, And like you mentioned, waking up willingly. Um, So the doctor I mentioned earlier, another thing he mentioned that's a good indicator of if you're getting enough sleep is if you're waking up refreshed and ready to attack the day. So that's a good way to monitor how good is my sleep quality? How am I feeling when I wake up in the morning? And that's a good way to kind of self-monitor. Okay, do I need to adjust that? And like you said, even making some adjustments in the morning can actually help set you up for a good night's sleep that night. Love it. Okay. Well, I hope you guys that some of these tips will help you and that we can convince you how obvious it is when you're tired that it could be your sleep, your sleep quality or the time that you are asleep. You know, it's interesting, Lindy, I've done a few um, nutrition challenge groups that you've been a part of. And and a few of the groups, we had a week challenge where we, they got points for getting eight hours of sleep every night. And by far, that was the one that people had the most hard time with that they would complain Mm -hmm. about. And some people would say, I physically cannot sleep for eight hours. So I would give them points if they just slept as long as they could and then um, find some way to do some self-care like meditation or yoga during the day to make up that gap. So it can be hard for people. I get that. Yeah. And actually that study we referred to earlier talked about, they found that on average men and women were getting six to six and a half hours of sleep. So a lot of adults struggle with getting enough sleep. Yeah. So it is something to be aware of, but also, like you said, that monitoring ourselves, like, are we waking up feeling refreshed and ready to attack the day? That's a great way to monitor how is, how good is my sleep? Yeah, definitely. Well, Lindy, thank you. And I hope that you get some good sleep this weekend. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) All right. We'll talk to you guys later. Thanks. All right. Bye. Hey guys, like what you're hearing or want to learn more or maybe get some coaching tips? Visit me, Allie, at my website, foodrebelcoaching.com or Lindy at hers, mymindmystrength.com. We'd love to hear from you.